Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. As a reminder, on Thursdays, it is just me talking about something that is trending in the fitness and health and medical communities, maybe a question that was written in by a listener or a topic that I discussed previously with a guest that I really want to expand on because I thought it was interesting and didn't get the chance to in the conversation. Also, remember, Mondays are the interview portions of this where I have on an expert in fitness and health or business, and it's an interview format. They are the star of the show. I take the back seat. And I ask them questions so they can provide value for you guys, for the audience, again, in whether you're general population looking for fitness and health tips, or whether you're someone who works in fitness and health and medical realm, and you're looking to better your business, either through the client relations side or the business side, or just overall knowledge and continuing education. Today, I am going to be talking about a bunch of different things, but first I'm going to read off a listener question that I got in. Uh, hey, Steve. I just started working with a Down syndrome client. I've been personal training for three years and have not come across this yet. Do I need anything specific for my PARQ or health history form? Have you worked with anybody who has Down syndrome in the past? So uh, <clears throat> yes, I have. And I'm certainly not an expert in this, but I, off the top of my head, I can certainly relay it on these three or four very important things. Number one, you should have clearance from their cardiologist. And it's very important. I, I believe the number is you know, 50% of people who have Down syndrome have some sort of congenital heart issue or or could potentially develop one. So even if they don't have it now, you know, they, they could. So it's, it's very important to get full clearance from their cardiologist, which you wouldn't normally do uh, with a uh, a, a normal personal training client who hasn't had pre-existing conditions, but you should do that now, even with no pre-existing conditions. Number two, I forget exactly what it stands for, but uh, AAI, which uh, essentially is uh, the C1 and C2 vertebra are uh, hypermobile in 15%-ish, maybe even more of people who have Down syndrome. And, you know, you're saying, well, it's only 15%, but yeah, but, but it's, it's very important because if you have, if you're very hypermobile up there in the neck area, that could lead to very serious injury. Um, now if they haven't had any symptoms, it's not like you can go tell them to go get imaging or diagnoses, but I would still ask them or, uh, you know, their, their provider, their caretaker, I should say to see if they've had any neck issues in the past. And if they have, I, I would really recommend you taking it to, before working with them, having them go get some sort of imaging and make sure they don't have AAI because that could that could be an issue for you. Uh, there could be some serious injury there if they do have that. And then uh, third, there's a lot of congenital vision issues uh, with people who have Down syndrome. So uh, make sure that they, you know, they have proper vision testing more so than uh, again, the, that the average person would get, they, they probably need it every six months or so. I think the, the vision testing and then, you know, having the proper goggles or, um, suggested eyewear from the, from that physician that, you know, the ophthalmologist or whoever's dealing with them, uh, for the, for the workouts, because as we know, vision and balance are very well connected together. And we want to make sure that anybody we're working with who has a vision issue has the, the proper, prescription or uh, goggles on at the time so that their their balance is not inhibited. So that's that's what I'll say to that question. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not an expert on that, but uh, I would be concerned with those things leading into the health history form and the physical activity readiness questionnaire form 
provided um, you know that they they've had any even if they were asymptomatic in, in any of those uh, areas. Um, moving on here, I just got back from a golf trip, so I did not do a Monday interview episode for the first time in two years, and the golf trip was fantastic. Did not play uh, all too well, but the courses were beautiful and the days were beautiful. And and uh, as everyone knows, when when you go away and you're with other people. Uh, some people that I did not know, and it was a larger golf trip, they always ask you what you do. Hey, Steve, what do you do for a living? And then, you know, you tell people, hey, I'm a personal trainer. I'm a weight loss specialist, corrective exercise specialist, blah, 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 blah. I work in fitness and health. Um, sometimes I stray away from that. And I just say, I, I, uh, I work in uh, business and marketing and software because I don't feel like talking about that. But, uh, you know, the question that always comes up next is like, oh yeah, I just started working out and you know, this is what I'm doing. What do you think? Or, oh, Hey, I'm uh, about to go on a diet. What do you think about this? And it's really hard for us in the, in our world to answer that, um, in a direct way, because we don't have all of the knowledge and all the details about what they're going through now, their, their previous history, and all of their goals and things of that nature. So, you, you know, we're, we're just trying to answer in a general way. And that's fine. I've talked about this on this podcast before. You can give good general information. Now, nobody wants to just hear, hey, work out and eat healthy because that's it needs to be a little bit more specific than that. No, everybody knows that. So what I say is I always try to ask them a few questions, sort of the Socratic method, and let them say things out loud where they're answering their own question. And we can do that through some low-hanging fruit. And the low-hanging fruit I always I always go for is, hey, do you enjoy exercise? And typically they'll say no. If they say yes, then it's easy. Say, okay, well, how many days a week are you exercising? And typically they're, they're not exercising enough. You're like, okay, you're telling me you enjoy this, but you're only doing it twice a week. You got to up it to four times a week, right? That's, that's the low-hanging fruit. You're, they're answering that question for themselves. If they say no, you could immediately take, take the second step and say, well, well, what sort of outdoor exercises do you enjoy? And usually you can get something out of them, right? Whether it's tennis or golf. If, if it's golf, say, well, don't ride in the cart. You should be walking nine holes or walking your 18 holes. That's going to make you a lot healthier. You know, walking a full round is like six or seven miles. It's a lot of steps in. So don't use, don't drive around if, if you're someone who enjoys golf. If they say, you know, I like to hike. It's like, okay, well, how many days a week do you hike? Oh, zero. Oh, all right, well, you need to start hiking more. Hey, I like to... Um, I, I really love my Peloton. It's like, okay, well then, you know, you need to get on your Peloton more. So it's really easy to, to, to just ask the questions out loud and let them sort of answer it themselves. They already sort of know the answer. And then if they, if they don't like exercise, if the answer is like, no, I hate exercising, then I, then I immediately shift to the other end of the spectrum in the food and nutrition and say, well, what are you doing on the food and nutrition side? And you know, the, the, the low hanging fruit again, let's cut out alcohol, Let's make sure that uh, you know you're sticking to one plan, whatever that plan is. If you're deciding to do keto, that's fine. If you're deciding to do uh, something where you know, intermittent fasting, okay. But whatever it is, you need a plan in place. You need to stick to it for a given amount of time to make sure that it works for you. Almost all diets work because in some way they're calorically restrictive, or you're more cal- calories going going uh, leaving the body than coming in. Right? That's that's how you lose weight. Um, law of thermodynamics, or one of the ways in which we lose weight, it's at least a, a large portion and percentage of it, it's tied to it. So w- w- again, we're doing this as sort of Socratic method. You're asking them the questions, 
and they're stating out loud what they need to do and you're just confirming it. Oh yeah, so you 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 don't like working out but uh, you you enjoy eating healthy? Okay, so you know, what did you eat yesterday? And then inevitably they talk about something they ate that they shouldn't have eaten and you say, "Well, you you know, you can replace that with A, B, and C." So that's how we have those conversations in my opinion. That's the easiest way. Just get that you you, you we can't give enough specifics because you don't know them and usually these are 5 or 10 minute conversations. You don't want to just say work out and eat healthy because it, then that doesn't help anybody. Uh, but you want to ask them a few questions, let them say a few things out loud, and then just direct them in the right course, giving them a few more details. The second thing I want to talk about here is I noticed on my trip how many people were in pain. And it just becomes a regular part of their day. And for me, I forget because I don't have any pain. I, I don't I don't struggle with any any day-to-day pain. I wake up feeling fine and I go to sleep feeling fine. So you, you forget that most people are not are not that way. Whether it's their jobs, whether they're working, let's say, hard labor and they're plumbers or they're outside working construction, or whether it's maybe their jobs are uh, sitting down at a desk all day. And because of that, we know what happens, right? Your, 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 uh, your glute muscles start to uh, basically atrophy because you're sitting on your butt all day. And then because you're, you're in that hip flexion, those hip flexors get shortened and they get shortened and weakened. And then we start to have some issues with our, our hips being in bad pelvic tilt situations and and then we have synergistic dominance and and so on and so forth right so we, we know how this goes with our clients if you're a personal trainer and if you're someone just in the fitness or health community or someone in general population yes it's not good to sit all day i talk about this all the time what does the average person do they wake up after laying down for eight hours in bed then they go to their uh counter and they sit again to eat breakfast then they stand up they get dressed and they sit in the car for 30 minutes to drive to work. Then they get out of their car. Then they sit down for another eight hours at work. Then they get back in the car and drive 30 minutes back home. Then they sit back down to eat dinner. Then they sit back down on the couch to watch Netflix and then they go to sleep. So it's like, you know, most of the day you end up being in this position where you're in this, what we call flexion, where that knee is up in that 90 degree angle, sort of parallel with your hip. And that's going to shorten those muscles in the front of your legs, which eventually causes problems if, if you're in that position too much, right? We, we're not in extension um, as, as much as we should be. So, um, yeah, so I, I digress here. People are in pain and they live with it day to day and they, they, that's just what they do. And I think that we as uh, fitness and health professionals and medical professionals need to understand that although they may not be complaining about it, that we need to do everything we can to get them out of pain, that they shouldn't be on NSAIDs every day, that they they shouldn't be just working around this pain, causing more compensations and more synergistic dominance and more bad movement patterns. We need to explain to them that this is not normal. You know, we're not, you're not supposed to be in pain. Even if more people are in pain than not, that doesn't mean it's the norm. That just means we're, we're in a screwed up society here. So, um, Take that into consideration when you're working with people that they might not be telling you the the depths of their pain or they might be hiding or they might think it's a normal thing. But we really have to talk about pain and work around this chronic pain uh, and and get to the heart of it and uh, not put Band-Aids on it because that's what people do. They put Band-Aids on their chronic pain and they don't actually try to solve it. I've had a bunch of podcasts on the chronic pain and I, I am talking about it also for me just to keep it up front in consciousness, to remember that my clients are in pain and that people are in pain. And as a fitness and health professional, it's a you know also a really good way to make sure that your book is filled because people will do anything if they're in pain. Now, that doesn't mean you should uh, you know scheme that 
and be sleazy about it. Ultimately, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't want to work with these people. But just giving them 100% of your attention and asking the right questions. And we know the we know the, the studies about when people trust their coaches and have someone who's working alongside them towards a goal, how much more likely they are to get to that goal is really important. So uh, just keep that up front in consciousness like, like I try to do, that people are in pain everywhere and that it's not the norm and we have to do what we can to make sure that that's that they understand that and that's not the case and that they, they shouldn't give up and they should work towards becoming you know a, a working waking up and going to bed without thinking about their pain lastly here I talk a lot about jobs and I am a an economic stork but also somebody who likes to forecast in all areas of life I like to read about jobs and technology and education and economics and sort of see what's what could be coming down the pipe not only because it's it could be helpful for me financially or for my businesses but um, just for life in general you you don't want to be left behind you know and history repeats itself you kind of want to see what went on in the past and see what's going on now and forecast what could potentially be happening in the future you know what I see now not just anecdotally some anecdotally and research wise I'll talk about both is that Jobs are changing and education is changing, especially between women and men. And like I always talk about being introspective about your skill sets is, is, is going to be even more important moving forward. I did a whole conversation and podcast about artificial intelligence and the jobs that AI may be taking over and why people need to be concerned with that, whatever industry you're in. Uh, if you're a, a doctor, well, uh, you know, at, at some point, radiologists probably aren't going to be needed because AI is going to take over that. Are they going to take over uh, a pediatrician? Probably not. Uh, at least not anytime in in the near future because of how different their jobs are where a radiologist is working with things and processes pediatricians are working with ideas and people and uh, we need to be introspective about that are you somebody who's just good at things and processes or are you someone who's good with ideas and people and make sure you shape your career around either one of those things to give you the most advantage but also forecast in the future how that could potentially change and if you could be ready to pivot if and when that changes I think is really important and not something that people do. But you know, uh, I digress here again. I, I want to talk about you know what I see in in the both the the data and the studies, and in additionally just anecdotally on this golf trip I went to, most of the people's wives out earned them. <laughs> um, this was an all guys golf trip, and that's not something that maybe twenty years ago you would ever see. Certainly not forty years ago. You know, since the industrial revolution. You know, men's jobs became more important because they were so hands-on, but also because of just how society was culturally not letting women do as much. It wasn't as if, you know, women weren't getting the same, uh, let's say, high school test scores and high school uh, grades as men. They just weren't supposed to go on to college in the 50s and 60s, let's say. But as as that has changed over time, we're seeing now for every five people who graduate college, three are women. We're seeing a, a larger attendance overall in college percentage of female to male ratio. We're even seeing sort of uh, gender and cultural differences do complete flips. So now between the ages of 24 and 44, you have more African-American women with secondary degrees, that's masters and beyond, than you have white men with secondary degrees, Caucasian men. Now, that's, that's not a total number more. I'm, specific, I'm, I'm specifically talking about a percentage. So if you take the total number of, of African-American women in the United States between the ages of 24 and 44, take the total number of Caucasian men between 24 and 44, there are a higher percentage of African-American women 
rather, than there are Caucasian men who have secondary degrees. This country is changing. Things are changing fast. And the way that education is developed, the way that uh, you know schools are set, and the way that testing is the norm and how, how we go about these processes now, unless they change, it's, we're only going to see more women being successful in the standard educational route and more men having to deviate to technical schools and do things with more processes and things and less with ideas and people. And I think even in the fitness and health industries, we, we need to look into this as you're picking your career. Are you somebody like I just talked about who is, if you're a radiologist, those skill sets are different than if you're a pediatrician. You don't need necessarily the bed, the same bedside manner, so to speak, if you're a radiologist. And you have to be introspective before you choose your career. But you also, uh, for me, I love, like I said, I love forecasting what is coming down the pipe and there there are still going to be jobs, no matter you know what AI does, at least for the next 20 years, where we're going to need people to do things, and we're going to need men to do things. You know, the, I talked to somebody who owns a, um, a a car dealership, and the person who gets paid the most of that car dealership is the person who paints the cars, not the accountant, not the lawyer on staff, not the managers, the person who paints the cars. Why? Because there's not enough of them. People, people weren't going to technical schools. They were all going off to college to get these degrees. But you having a communications degree from who, who gives a shit uh, state college and not having any actual skill sets to provide is not, is, is not where this world is going. Nobody needs that anymore. And it's funny because you know where AI has gone recently is that it can write blogs for you perfectly, but you know what it can't do? It can't fix your toilet yet. That's just not the route it went. People thought that's what was going to happen. We we're going to have robots who were setting up the electric poles outside and, and the telephone poles and the robots are fixing your toilet. That's not the way it went. It went more academia and it went less technical. So really, that's where jobs are going to be shifting, I think, in the next 15, 20 years. For men specifically, you're going to see more men going into technical schools. You're going to see more men doing things that have to do with things and processes, which typically they're better at anyway than they are with ideas and people. And you're going to see women continue to take over the things that have to do more with ideas and people and be successful in those routes. And there's a, there's a, there's a changing of the guard here. It's very normal now to go to a household and find that the woman out earns the man or that there's some 50-50 process. And I think you know, understanding yourself and, and I get this is a fitness and health podcast, but no, it's not. It's also about wisdom and wealth. And if you don't have your you know, your house in order, literally and figuratively, you're not going to be successful in business. You need to know yourself. You need to know who you are. You need to know, uh, you know, your, your partner and who you're marrying and all these decisions matter when you're going to be a successful business owner and you're going to care about your clients. You need to have your life in order. So that's why for me, it's important to talk about these things and to talk about how the world is changing and to be introspective. What are you good at? I, I, I analogize it as tip. Things, ideas, people, processes. Know which ones you're good at when you're moving into a career. And also think about some of those that could be changing down the pipe in your individual career, whether you're a medical doctor, is radiology going to be changing more to artificial intelligence? I talked about a study where there was a, they put like 10,000 eyeball scans through a through an artificial intelligence to, they were looking at some specific, like, I, I don't know, cataract thing in the eye, but the, somehow the AI told the gender of the, but with like a 99.9% accuracy rate of of the person just by looking at the eyeball, which a, a normal person can't do. We don't know how to do that yet. We're not even sure how the AI did that. So 
Uh, things are changing. Things are ever changing. Make sure you have backup plans. Make sure you're introspective about your skill sets and you know where where your skill sets lie so that you always have an out and that you have a career that you can shift into. Uh, There's some good episodes coming up in the next few Mondays. Again, as a reminder, Mondays are the interview episodes where I have an expert on in fitness or health or business or medical realm, and they come on and talk about it. It could be someone who is an expert on type 2 diabetes. It could be someone that wrote a book in the fitness or health or medical realms. It could be a a physician that has uh, a different take on how to handle uh, a particular disease. It could be a personal trainer who has really good insights and expertise into marketing, something around the fitness and health and medical realms or wisdom and wealth, because they're all interconnected and we need that all to help our clients. And then also as a you know last reminder here before I sign off, we're, uh, we do have these on YouTube, not the Thursday individual episodes, but all the Monday interviews are also on YouTube so you can watch them instead of listen to them. Thanks for joining the Truly Fit Podcast and see you guys on Monday. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform, and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.